Coming up on episode 174 of Wheel Bearings, it's a full garage of driving impressions, including the Ford F350 XLT Tremor with the new 7.3 liter V8, the Land Rover Defender 110, Nissan Kicks, Ford Transit T150, the 2021 Chevrolet Suburban with diesel, and the Toyota 4Runner TRD Pro. In the news, we talk about the Zooks RoboTaxi, Boston Dynamics selling to Hyundai, and Lordstown Motors getting into the tent with Camping World. That's all ahead on episode 174 of Wheel Bearings. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to Patreon.com slash WheelbearingsMedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be a part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is Wheelbearings. I'm Dan Roth from Forbes. I'm Sam Abu-Al-Samad from Guidehouse Insights. And I'm Rebecca Lindland from Rebecca Drives. So we're all back uh, together again just before Christmas. So um, not that everybody celebrates. Are you, are you guys all set, though, with your your tree and your, your festivus uh, planning or uh, solstice or whatever it is that you do? <laughs> the three-foot-tall uh, pre-lit aluminum tree that uh, we've had for the last couple of years is is all set up in the living room. Uh, aluminum is that like like a, sh- a nice shiny pink aluminum <laughs> Christmas tree? Like it's, actually more, it's actually more goldish, not really pink. Um, Excellent, Excellent. but it's mid-century modern. It is. It is. It is totally fitting with our mid-century modern home. I love it. Uh, That's awesome. It fits fits perfectly, and it's up on a a little um, sort of end table type of thing. So it's away from uh, Daisy. It's out of her reach. Oh, smart. uh, Yeah. So it's yeah. It's it's all good. Uh, We we still have over here over to my right here in the utility room. You know, I still have several boxes stacked up in the corner of uh, all of the assorted Christmas stuff that we used to haul out every year, you know, when the kids were younger and, you know, maybe someday they'll want it more, more than likely we <laughs> right. just end up donating it somewhere. Well, no, what you do, this is what my parents did is you weaponize their childhoods is um, <laughs> you wait for them to get married and, or, or, or settled and, and they get their own houses and they have their own families and then you show up with all that stuff. <laughs> You're like, here's all your shit from your childhood. And you're like, what I, what am I going to do with this? They're all broken. <laughs> we played with them. Oh, like they were, yeah, it's great. So it's, it's now, it went from their attic to my attic. It's great. So I have a unique but happy problem. I actually, this is the first year um, in the eight years that I've been in this house that I do, I do not have a Christmas tree, mostly because my plants, my outdoor plants that I then have to bring inside, they grew so much over the summertime (laughs) that they are enormous and occupy, three of them occupy the corner that is normally reserved for the Christmas tree. And I've tried to move them, but the one, it's like, it's this fiddle, it's this kind of like fiddle lamp, fiddle tree, it's called fiddle leaf tree. And it started out at about 
four feet when I first bought them a couple, two years ago. It grew to six feet the first year and now it's eight feet tall. And I, <laughs> I'm really, I'm, it's so gigantic. So that's my de facto Christmas tree. It doesn't have any lights or anything. Oh, I was just going to ask if you decorate it at least. You can't really decorate <laughs> them, but um, I did. I did get. I have these two huge wreaths for outside, so I got that done, and I have lights on outside. So the house looks very festive outside. Uh, on the flip side, my brother David, I went over to his two bedroom loft apartment yesterday, and in his son's room alone are nine trees of various sizes <laughs> like like real trees or fake, all trees? fake trees it's all fake trees okay. they do have a real tree they have a gorgeous huge i have no idea where he found this because dan as you well know i uh, trees have been scarce this year and hard to find yeah. and not in great condition and of course david has this most gorgeous tree and then the boys wanted a forest in their bedroom and so oh, that's awesome he put those in and i basically just walked around and and well, our childhood was not weaponized. He does has a, have a lot of stuff because this is the first year that my mom does, didn't decorate. Uh, you know, she doesn't have her house anymore. So um, it is actually, it's, it's nice to see like a lot of, you know, the, what we used as kids uh, between. Yeah, they're like old friends, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, say, I say weaponized in the most sarcastic, but uh, I feel like there's a, I have a problem communicating, right? I go right for the negative. <laughs> I don't think no it's communicating. communicating. It's just it's just the nature <laughs> of the message that you are inclined to. And and given wow, given, the, like the, we have given the, the the trauma that you had with your own tree this week, and uh, you know, I can I can yeah. understand why. Yeah. So they um we every we we did we actually went and we found a beautiful tree and then uh, it it was nice and full and it just it gave up. I don't know why, but it's it's twenty twenty <laughs> and so that's acceptable. And like we just we walk by the living room and you just just see it like dripping and drooping and, drooping. Like, Wait. and then things started falling off of it and we're like something's not right with that tree and then you flick on the light and you'd see it's like it's kind of brown and, and it's very crispy you're like that that needs to yeah get that's not good it's that's that's gonna catch on fire. Yeah. so um yeah so i'm still debating whether we uh we give it a viking funeral in the backyard and just just light it up and, and watch it burn um but we had to scramble and find another tree uh this week's vehicle was very helpful that way, um, was able to just toss it in the back. So, what did you have this week? Why don't you go first for once? Well, uh, so <laughs> I have a um, an F one fifty. No, I'm sorry, I have an F three fifty XLT with the trimmer pack. Nice. Um, I haven't spent the full week with it, but uh, overall, uh, you know, this is a this is a great truck. The Ford Super Duties have evolved to be uh, pretty credible and, and very formidable competition for the rest of the market uh it's big it's pretty quiet it's a little stiff because it's the f350 so it has a solid front axle and um a suspension that's designed to carry basically our entire house <laughs> so <laughs> uh the biggest thing um that i was really interested in experiencing was the new 7.3 liter v which is a new pushrod design. Everybody was very excited about this engine, not because it's a truck engine, but because it's a new large displacement pushrod V8 from Ford that has done overhead cam modular V8s for a very long time, you know, 25 years now. And it's fantastic. Uh, it's, it's really torquey. It's really well-behaved. It's uh, not 
super efficient here. I'm sure it's as efficient as it can be. I don't expect that any other engine other than a diesel would be any more efficient. I'm getting about 11 miles. <laughs> well, you know, considering that that yeah. truck probably weighs close to three tons empty. Yeah. yeah, that's that's actually not that. You know, it's it's not unexpected. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say it's not terrible, would, but it's certainly not <laughs> unexpected. Right. And that's that's how I'm some kind of sanguine about it. I just it's right about what I would expect. If you take it a little easier, I'm sure you could get a little better fuel economy. But we had snow <laughs> as well. And when you when you have snow, it kind of beats up on your fuel economy a bit because you spend a lot of time idling or moving around. And, and that's kind of what went on was as you clear the driveway, the cars idle and clear off a little bit and, and stuff like that. So. It's probably partially my fault that we're not seeing at least 12 or 13, <laughs> which is a big jump oh, it, when you're getting it 11. Absolutely is. Yeah, 10, 20% better. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's a lovely truck, even an XLT trim, which is just basically one step above their, their work grade, the XL. So it, it has cloth seats and stuff, but it has the premium package. So it's got... Um, you, you know, the, the screen with... Uh, it's not my Ford Touch. I keep wanting to call so it, it my Ford Touch. Sync 3. Sync 3. Yeah. Which is nice because it's not actually a huge screen. It's it's a it's a decent size screen, but now that inch? everything's gone to like yeah, I think so, eight inch across. Um you know, now that everything's gone to these enormous screens, they figured out how to put more stuff in it and not necessarily make it more usable. And that's that's the balance that we're gonna be constantly seeking is yes, you have a large screen, but how do you make it useful? The smaller screen limits what you can put on it so it's a little bit more focused. And Sync 3 is is uh, compatible with CarPlay. So I was mostly using CarPlay. But when you flip back to the embedded uh, stuff, it's it's also pretty good to use. So that's nice to have in an XLT, which, you know, again, that was like a previously a luxury feature um, where you, you, you see some of these trucks when you go shopping and they have like the tiny little screen that's got a giant bezel because, you know, you, you didn't buy the option <laughs> for the bigger screen. Um, so you can get a lot of stuff uh, in in this. This is probably the meat of the segment too. The meat of their their trims is is oh, they're super duty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because it's a little nicer. It has more options. XL is really limited uh, by by design. You know, that's if you just want the basic truck that is going to work hard all its life. That's an XL. It, it's. Yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, X, the want, XLs would be the ones that you know your local parks department. You know, is yeah. hauling around their lawnmowers and other equipment, mm. you know, to, you know, as they do their tour around all the parks every week to, to mow the lawns and all the other stuff. Oh, that sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, you know, we've got a, two parks in our neighborhood, you know, and every Tuesday morning, you know, I see, you know, a couple of, you know, from the Ipsy Township Parks Department, I, I see the, you know, two of the, uh, you know, Super Duties parked out there, you know, by down by uh, the one to the south of us. Uh, you know, with their trailers, with the the lawn the lawnmowers, and they head out there. They mow the one, they and they they leave the trucks there, and they actually just drive the drive, drive the, mowers, the mowers like three four blocks down to the other park and mow that one, and then drive the mowers back and load them back up to go to the next park. I gotta say, my favorite my one of my favorite jobs was landscaping. I need <laughs> landscaping just... done. Let... You can come to the treehouse. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That, that was that was actually my my worst job of all time, but it had it yeah. had more to do with the guy I was working for than than the mm. the job itself. The, the job itself yeah, was fine. Yeah, you know, it was it's hard work, but I think that's why I liked it. The for the first so um, minor tangent. 
<laughs> I worked a summer at uh, Mystic Seaport um, in uh, in Mystic, Connecticut, uh, doing doing the grounds stuff. And so there were a couple of guys on the crew that had been um, one was a welder and the other was a grinder at Electric Boat. And so they had worked together and they had gotten used to that EB union job kind of cadence to their day. They taught me all kinds of hilarious things. <laughs> and occasionally, when they needed something fixed on their truck, I would bring my tools in and fix it. They would buy me lunch. And then um, it, I got to say, it's really hard to cut lawns at 2 p.m. in the hot sun after you had an entire large sub <laughs> and a couple of beers at lunch. <laughs> so just, I learned a bit that year. Um, anyway. Um, well, something else. That... <laughs> I didn't, didn't, didn't have any beer with me. Okay. Um, you know, the other thing that probably contributed to your relatively low fuel economy is the tires, you know, cause that tremor package is their off-road package. Yeah. And, mm. uh, you know, it's got, you know, these big knobbly all-terrain tires on it, which, you know, are not exactly great for low rolling resistance. Good, great for, great for traction and, you know, snow and ice, but not so much for rolling resistance. Um, yeah, it's, but you know, they're also not all that, um, sketchy in terms of like sidewall flex or anything. It's, it's still a pretty well-behaved mm -hmm. truck for as as far as large trucks go you know i've had it out on the highway i've had it around town and it it behaves pretty well even with altering tires and extra ride height and it it does sting how, how, in all conditions how, how much how much was it uh 66,000 okay oh so it's, it's not right. terrible it's not not terrible. Yeah. Um, Rel so relatively speaking yeah <laughs> right i think the tremor package is the biggest cost there the 7.3 liter v8 is about eighteen hundred dollars i think it's a seventeen hundred dollars 1750 option which again like okay you're going to spend a lot more on the well, diesel it's a lot of it's a lot of truck for that price a lot of capability yes. right well it's just a lot of yes. truck period yeah, yeah right yeah, well and the so the tremor package has ramps um so they they're included they they have a they stow on the inside of the bed oh nice and they have a like a they're locked in. They have they come with locks and cables to to lock them in. Um, but if I needed to load something like an ATV or the snowblower or something like that, I could use the ramps that the factory supplied ramps, drive it up into the bed, and then stow everything. So that's that's nice. The last time I needed to move something, um, I think I had a Gladiator or a ram, and and I needed to fabricate my own yeah, ramps. I've done that before. Get, uh, yeah, to get a generator up in it, and uh, so that's nice that they they recognize the truck is kind of high it's very tall um and they they accommodate that uh the other thing that the tremor package has is skid plates underneath so you can bash it off-road a little bit more with with less worry it's a little bit long for my tastes for taking it off-road i prefer stuff that's that's short and really maneuverable mm. like the, the wrangler the two-door wrangler but uh that's really not that's this is this is more the brute force support approach to off roading. You know, it's it's got enough grunt and and sheer momentum. You know that it can just go. It can go through just about anything anyway. It makes its own trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I don't I don't think you'd have too many complaints getting it off road. Um, you know, it'll 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 get you stuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's always my concern. So it's interesting because um, I was just looking back. Nicole Wakelin, who lives up near you. She mm -hmm. had the 2020 Ford F-250 Tremor and in the Platinum, and she wrote a review for me on RebeccaDrives.com. Um, but And she did, her price was almost $85,000. Yep. 
And yeah. so that had the 6.7 liter V8 turbo. Um, That's the diesel. The diesel, right. Yep. So the diesel is $10,000. Oh, so you take $10,000 okay. <laughs> off of that. And the, the platinum tends to start around um, 70. Yeah. Okay. The, the, plat, the yeah. platinums have <clears throat> leather and, um, you know, all the luxury trim. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're completely tricked out. Okay. Cause then she also had the King Ranch, the F-250 King Ranch tremor. And that was, that had the 7.3 liter V8 and that was 70. So basically, I mean, there's right. a, there's a broad, that it started at 59 and change and then tested out at 70. So there's a broad range as we've often said, but it's just interesting. They really have a truck for everybody. It seems like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, that's what I was going to say is they really, they've covered all the bases, right? They've got this one that's 66 and then you could go 70, 80, 90. Uh, you could spend as, as However much money you want to spend, right. Ford has a truck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and and you know, I had the uh, I had an F three fifty Platinum earlier in the year. It wasn't a Tremor, but that is that's a lovely truck too. I I really think that with Fords, especially uh, for me personally, the the Super Duties are where it's at. Like that's 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 a truck. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it no matter how nice you make it inside, like it's definitely outfitted for hard work and you know that that doesn't discount the the f series the f-150 um but really like these are much more serious pieces and you can you can see it in the way they're they're designed and built and they're very thoughtfully uh created for people who are going to use them just for everything all the time and it just needs to be ready for it um where like an f-150 or any kind of 1500 series truck they're still thoughtful but they kind of feel a little bit more like a family car mm. than a work vehicle and and so these these are uh definitely a little more hardcore and and, and you, you know you know these these super duties you know are set up for work you know when you look at the the options list and you know one of the one yeah. of the things you find on there is the you know the 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 cng prep package uh you know yeah. so because <laughs> this is something you know that fleets will often use you know um it, they you know they'll have they'll use either cng or propane fuel you know because it's a lot cheaper uh you know and when it when you order it with the prep package you know the the engines have hardened valve seats and you know it's got some some stuff built in from the factory um you know to hook up to the fuel lines and everything you know for for gaseous fuels and then it gets shipped directly from the factory to whatever upfitter you choose and they they install this, the the gas tanks um, and other equipment in there, you know, before it gets shipped to the dealer for for delivery, um, you know, and that's that's something that almost no consumer is ever going to buy. That this is this is the type of thing that only fleet companies, you know, the fleet operators would ever use. Yeah. Well, I think too, a fleet is going to put up with the hassle of of fueling that way, and it's not a hassle for them, depending on what kind of fleet they are, you know. Versus uh, someone like you or me going to where, where are we going to refill our CNG? Our, uh, <laughs> yeah, CNG. I mean, there's certainly places you can do it, but it's it's a little bit um, fewer and further between. Um, yeah. Do, so when they run on CNG, does do you pay road tax on on compressed natural gas if you can use it as a motor? Uh, I wonder if that's state state. It's it's state it's know, state dependent. Um, and yeah. I think you do, you do pay some road tax when you're using CNG as a fuel, as a road fuel. So yeah, you do, you do pay the fuel taxes on it, but it is less huh. than, 
because it, you know it's usually it's a percent it's typically it depends on the state i mean sometimes it's a flat you know per gallon or per gallon equivalent other times it's a percentage um you know and and cng is cheaper than gasoline or diesel uh, but you also get less yeah. range on it so you know you're gonna, you you're not going to get as as many miles per per gallon equivalent with cng as you would with gasoline it's probably a little cleaner. Oh, it's too. a lot cleaner. Yeah. The, and that's yeah. a lot cleaner than diesel. Um, yeah. Oh, for yeah, sure. But, but it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it run, you know, there's less, um, less emission, far less emissions from CNG or propane than there is from even burning gasoline. Yeah. Back, back many, many years ago, my grandfather, uh, he was a, you know, sort of maintenance head for, for a fleet. And uh, he went to, to school to, to do diesel conversions. This is back in the like sixties. Um, so they would convert the diesels to propane. He, he was a big proponent of that. So, um, it's still going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody's looking for an edge. Oh, yeah. Um, but so the other car I had, Rebecca, I wanted to talk to you about this. Okay. I wanted to compare my notes. Um, so I had the Land Rover Defender one. Oh, okay. And I know you drove the, you were on the, the, like the little media program. I was, I was on the, the yes. So. I went into it a little skeptical. I shocking kind of looked. Okay, sorry, <laughs> I, I digress. Wow, <laughs> I've never uh, heard of Dan being skeptical of anything before. Right, I was, you know, because you see the Defender on the, you know, pictures on the internet as we all are doing right now, and you go, okay, it's a, it's a big British Honda Element, but, um, you know, the first thing that got me was the design. Don't like, want to start short here. You say that. Yeah, but the accent makes all the difference. The British part of it. Yeah, uh, Stuart might get mad at me. Um, <laughs> but it, it, the, the the second half of that story, though, is Stuart. If you're listening, um, it's one of those cars that you look at, and the more you uh, the more you kind of spend time with it, the more the design gives back to you. Mm-hmm. It's, it evokes the old Land Rovers very very well but it's not retro like overly retro it's not cloying it's really well done there and it's very clever the details have been all very well thought out they really they put a lot of effort and um clearly uh affection <laughs> into the design of it so that that was the first thing that got me was okay it looks really great and it's really really well done and then I got inside, and again, the design continues inside. It's beautifully designed uh, in the cabin. I have some complaints about the controls, so mm. I was interested to see what how you felt about it. But um, you know, what was your experience with? I know it's been a little while, and you seemed overall pretty positive the last time we talked about the the defense. Yeah, I thought so. So I did. I was on the media launch back in September, and I. Uh, we actually got an excessive amount of driving in it because we went up to the Land Rover school in Vermont, but because of COVID, we couldn't stay in Vermont. And there's literally a hotel like five minutes from the course. <laughs> we had to drive all the way back to Saratoga Springs, New York, which was an hour back, had dinner. The next morning, got up at a godforsaken hour to get back to an hour back to where we were. So we got a good extra hundred and probably ten miles just that driving, and then we drove it down from Vermont down. 
I stopped. They let, I asked permission. I said, it's, we never, I never drive by my house on a drive program. Can I run in and show my sisters <laughs> and, my, and my mom and stuff? So I stopped in Connecticut and then I had to continue driving down to New Jersey, to, which is where we were ending. So I think it was almost 500 and 600, between five and 600 miles wow. that we drove over the course of like two, two and a half days. I mean, it was, it was intense because we just, we started in New Jersey, drove all the way up to Vermont. I mean, it was, it was a lot, but it was great though. But you really get a feel for the car when you're driving it for hours on end like that. And I think it was just, it was so comfortable to drive. It really, yeah. you know, it, it really was. They did such a great job with it on the road. And then of course, off-road was just a total blast. I mean, that thing was more than happy to go wherever we, we want. And to your earlier point, Dan, about a compact vehicle, you know, it, it fit where it needed to fit. And what's interesting about the the school that they have up in Vermont, there's three of them around the country. There's one at Greenbrier, South Carolina. Um, there's one out in the Monterey, uh, Carmel area in California. Out where the rich people yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then up in Vermont. And, you know, it's not a, um, it kind of reminds me of the, of the Jeep trails out in uh, Michigan. It's not cultivated. It is wild. It is, it is nature. It is whatever happens. If it rains and everything's muddy, that's what you're dealing with. So it's not something that it's planned and they've, you know, they've they deliberately put things to, to show off the vehicle. This is just, these are trails and you're out there. So, you know, there was definitely some times when the vehicle got stuck and depending upon the driver's skill, could they get it out or not? Uh, for the most part, we could, but there was some rocking back and forth that needed to happen with the crew and stuff, but it was great. Yeah. I mean, and again, it it reminded me of the Jeep, the Wrangler four door in that, you know, it does incredibly well off-road, but it's actually really improved on road. It's quiet, well-behaved. I do. We did have some issues with the infotainment system, but I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty much always happens. I, I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> right. No, no, it's not just you. Cause I think that that, and I like, I heard echoes of, of you in my head as I was dealing yeah. with it. Like I was like, wait, I have to press a button to get the fan to adjust the fan. And like the, so in the infotainment is a lot better than it has been in Jaguars and Land Rovers and you can move the icons around. So eventually you can customize it. So what you want is actually at your fingertips. Right. It does take some time. I mean, I had made a note of it in my review about multifunctional center console controls. And you're right. It you have to spend time as we're finding more and more with almost every, every infotainment system, you have to spend the time to customize it. You've got to spend the time to get the, to get it set up the way that you use it. Um, I will say the yeah. cameras were amazing. I mean, they were, yes. they were really, really helpful. And especially off-road, you could get, you know, the camera angles that you wanted, but it's a nice big screen. I do love that interior. I thought that was just gorgeous, but I loved the way the dash is sort of scooped out. And then there's this grab handles on the, on either side. Yeah. Again, it's just really thoughtful details. And I didn't have the highest trim level, but it was still nice. And, and it's just it is it's quiet it's a lot quieter than i thought it would be especially given that it's, it's the defender it's supposed to be their their sort of most rugged 
Yeah. So I had actually the third of six trims. So I had a very much a middle of the road. It was $71,000, but it was, yeah. <laughs> um, and I did the 3.0 liter mild hybrid. Okay. I don't, mine had the, um, 2.0. Mine had the, the six as okay. well. Um, and that engine is fantastic. Yeah. I put just a little bit of growl back into the, the cabin. So it's, it has that sound. Um, but it's really, really torquey and, uh, smooth and plenty powerful. So I, again, like this is, this is one of those things where I was really surprised at how, well it all came off and and came together i knew it was going to be nice and capable but i'm very impressed with the way they've they've updated the defender because it really now it straddles that line between being a a luxury family off-roader or luxury family four by four i guess and um you know something that that could really go deep into the woods yes and that's you know, it can do both of those. The old defenders, you could do it, but your family wouldn't necessarily be as comfortable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that yeah, and that's they they really have done a great job with that. The materials that they used were lovely. I mean, I just I think that they they honored the past, but recognize the present in in how yeah. people use vehicles today. Yeah, I I do that, and that um the multifunction controls on the center console. Yeah. So to explain those a little bit. So they've got, because the, the design came a little bit before function mm. in, in some ways. And, and I appreciate that it's got two dials that keep it simple and they've packed a bunch of functionality into the dials. So you've got your ventilated seats, heated seats, controls in there. What you have to do is you push on it and then rotate uh, I, I liked that by the time I was done with it. I was like, that's, that's clever. Um, one of them, you actually have to press another button and you get the fan, the interior fan. Most people are going to leave it in auto. So that's kind of a non-issue. And then, uh, if you wanted to direct airflow, there's another button <laughs> and then it brings it up on the screen. Um, so then you can direct where the airflow goes again, though, most people are going to, uh, going to leave in auto so it's usually not an issue unless like what happened when when i had it it snows and you you kind of want some control over where that that stuff goes uh it had the had the um the heated windshield so oh nice the, the, did you like, get did you take it in the snow oh ah, yeah it's it was fine awesome. you know it's one of those things like you just you do your thing yeah. and it's it's fine so it was you know the, the 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 biggest complaints I really had were the the center controls and once you get used to those it's not a huge deal yeah and then that um, side hinged uh, rear door yes so you know instead of like a top hinged tailgate but that's I think that's that's a Defender trademark and you're not going to get rid of that uh, the door it just it has a gas strut on it so it, it's a little heavy to close because of, of what the strut's doing but plenty roomy you know there's three rows of seats each row has its own uh hvac outlet and fan and heat controls for the seats and so and it has the little um the windows what are they the alpine windows they call them in the the roof yes uh, yeah so it's you know and it for mine was 75 oh wow okay i didn't didn't find that overly pricey that was that was less expensive than i thought it would be uh yes it's a premium car so you're going to spend money on it anyway. But yeah, I, I was uh, very pleasantly surprised by how much I liked it because 
I recognize this skepticism in myself. Yeah. <laughs> so it was interesting. I, I, when I first saw pictures of it on, um, it has towards the, what I would consider the blind spot. So behind the C pillar are these kind of plaques that I was worried about would hinder visibility, but they actually don't at all. And I was very pleasantly surprised by that. Do you know what I mean on the side of the vehicle? That's the, the panels, panels where it says, you know, has the Land Rover uh, logo right. and stuff. Um, yeah. And I just, I was definitely concerned about that, but it it, it was a non-issue completely. Um, the other thing that they have that's really cool is this X, let's see what I, um, X top trim that goes really full on interior luxury. So the one that I had had a combination of leather and cloth. Uh, I had that as well, and it was lovely. Right, but then the X. Did you, did you have you ever seen the X top trim? It may have just been something that they had at the event. So the rollout of this vehicle has really been negatively impacted by by COVID because they had started to product. They had started production. They had to stop it, and then they kind of got into this like sort of what are we putting out now? Twenty twenties or twenty twenty ones? So the the X trim, <laughs> you know, the X trim is is I believe it's it's going to be available for 2021, um, but but it that's full on flat luxury on the interior, um, very very luxurious, very uh, high end leather. So that's a different animal altogether. So they've done, you know, yeah, and they really do. They cover all the bases. So um, yeah, I mean, this is one of those biggest surprises so far of the year. It's it's. Really well done. Um, pleasant suppose I hated to see it leave. Uh, I I do want to recognize that, true to the sort of Land Rover um, myth and legend, there have been some reports of of reliability issues. I got a check engine light while yep. I had it. I cleared it. It, <laughs> it stayed cleared. Um, you know, I I I kind of almost hate to to bring it up other than to say like. It, it it could happen, <laughs> and I'm sure they're not unaware of it. I'm yes. sure that they know what's going on. And and uh, like uh, was it uh, TFL car had some some ongoing saga with their Defender Nine. Yeah, um, it's but, it's still got the Motor Trend uh, truck of the year though. Yeah, and I think it deserves yeah. it. It's, it's SUV really of the year. I'm sorry, SUV of the year. Yeah. <laughs> it's Motor Trend. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> For our friends at Motor Trend. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've babbled enough. Uh, like, I've, I've, I'm looking at this. Like, people are going to have sat through a half hour of me yapping. <laughs> um, so, Sam, you've well, been we're used to it, quiet. So, you know, we should, uh, you know, share that uh, joy with the rest of the world. Uh, right. I yapped right, I yapped right along with you. <laughs> Sam was the one that... Let's give Sam a chance to talk. Yeah. What, what have you been driving, Sam? So I've had uh, several different vehicles over the past week. Um, you know, a couple of them just for, for short stints. Um, you know, one of the things that automakers have been doing recently, uh, in many cases, is uh, virtual media drives. You know, instead of flying people out to to various locations, they have been um, sending the vehicles out to their fleets and dropping them off, you know, people's homes, you know, for one to two, some cases, three day, uh, short loans, you know, to, to do these first impressions of the vehicles. And then, you know, later on, uh, we'll get them for the, the usual one week loans. So, uh, in the past week I've had, um, the 2021 Nissan kicks 
and the 2021 Kia Sorento uh, hybrid. And <clears throat> I'll get to those in a moment. But first, I want to start off with the Ford Transit uh, T150 cargo van, um, which uh, I got, uh, uh, you know, it, it uh, got it worked out um, that uh, my our older daughter was uh, moving out of the house again. And uh, so they, the Transit worked out uh, perfectly for moving all her stuff into her new apartment. Well, almost perfectly. Um and but it had the, the the challenges had nothing to do with the transit itself, um, and so the, the the one I had was the the T one fifty, which is the the base model. That's that's the so called light duty version. You can also get the T two fifty and T three fifty, which are technically class two, class three, and class three vehicles. They're medium duty vans, you know. So their gross vehicle weight rating is above eighty five hundred pounds. <clears throat> so the so is this the this is the the um the cargo this is this is the cargo van yeah so no seats inside this was the 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 transits are available in three body lengths uh so two different wheelbases the longer wheelbase is available with two different with an extended body on it so this was the the long wheelbase but the shorter body so the the mid the mid size and also three you can get it in three different roof heights so you get the short roof the mid roof and the high roof the the one I had was the mid roof, um, you know. So this is uh, I consider this the 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 Ford uh, two seater that you may not necessarily want, but it's sometimes the one you need. Um, <laughs> so just the just the two front seats. The rest of it is just one giant <clears throat> cavern of empty space to do with as you will. Uh, fill it up, you know. And so most customers that buy these things are usually various types of fleet operators, uh, plumbers, uh, electricians, you know, uh, trades people that, you know, will, you know, they'll get the van and they will have it sent to an upfitter and it'll be outfitted with a bunch of racks on the inside for for their tools and the parts that they're carrying, um, things like that. Uh, You know, in my case, you know, this one just had um, some basic plastic panels on either side uh, to minimize the the resonance inside and actually this thing is actually surprisingly quiet to drive given that it is a giant steel box on wheels that was not my experience with the transit <laughs> 150 so you're in not that it's terrible you're in the whole cabin there's yeah. no break yeah okay no it's it's so where did you drive it i, I, I drove it around the the ann arbor area so like in yeah. town so i didn't yeah. i didn't I drive i didn't drive town. it on the highway yeah, it's loud on the highway. Oh, just so yeah, you know. I'm sure it is. <laughs> but, you know, again, you know, given, you know, that what you have is a giant steel box on wheels, it's actually right. not as bad as you might expect. That's, that's um, true. And, I'll give you that. And, yes. and most it's, of the uh, time, you know, these things in, op- in normal day-to-day operations are not driving around empty. You know, they're usually full mm. of stuff. Right, so you get all the percussion from the tools because like, all the everything jingles and jangles as you. <laughs> I would like to see a cutaway comparing it to like the Econoline. Oh, I mean, oh, it's much it's, better. It's than way, way, way better than yeah. Econoline. I mean, from like yeah, an insulation and NVH standpoint. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the the body design. You know, this is a much more. You know, the Econoline. You know, is a design that basically goes back to the 1970s. You know, yeah. it's an old body on frame <laughs> design. You know, these are this is a unibody design. Um, you know, it's rear wheel drive, uh, but it, you know, it has a relative a much lower floor because it's a unibody. There's no frame, mm. uh, no separate frame underneath. 
um, you know, and getting in and out, you know, as I was loading this thing up with, with my daughter's stuff and then unloading it, uh, you know, the bumper height is at a reasonable height. It's very easy to step up, you know, into the, into the back, much more so than trying to get into an Econoline, you know, the mid roof, you know, I'm five eleven. I was able to stand up inside, um, you know, and, uh, you know, loaded up all her stuff, you know, got it all loaded up in, in one trip, you know, including a big, uh, queen size, uh, wooden bed frame that, that I made for her. And it, it just, you know, look, fit everything in there beautifully. Um, you know, but again, you know, with the, you know, the mid or the high roof, um, you know, you do have to keep in mind that there's a lot of places where these things will not fit because of their height. Uh, you know, the building that, that my daughter was moving into is a brand new apartment building. Um, we got there it turned, as it turns out, she was actually the very first resident moving into this building. <laughs> um, and, um, not everything was working there when we got there, including oh, the freight no. elevator. Oh, so those, no. that's the problem that you had to deal with. Not, not the, anything. To do yeah, with nothing. Well, nothing specific, but, um, you know, the, the freight elevator is, was right next to the garage door. So this building has a built-in parking garage, you know, on the bottom couple levels. And, uh, the, so we couldn't get, couldn't use the freight elevator. Um, and the other elevators, some of the other elevators were also non-functional when we got there. So to use an elevator, we would have had to go a very long distance carrying the stuff to the <laughs> elevator and then carrying it from the elevator to her apartment. Um, and so I've said, okay, well, let's see if I can get the van into the garage and just drive it up because her, her apartment door is actually not far from the, from the garage, from the garage. And fortunately, you know, as most garages do, garages do, you know, it has a little <clears throat> foam bar that's hanging from the entrance. You know, if you hit this bar, you're too tall to fit inside the garage. And of course, as, soon as I pulled oh, up, no. I, I felt I felt the foam on the, the roof there. You know, it was eight feet, eight feet, two inches tall. <laughs> and the mid even the mid roof transit is a little more than eight feet, two inches above the <laughs> ground. So that wasn't going to work. So we ended up parking it uh, outside. And then using her car and my wife's car, she's got a Honda Fit. My wife's got a Civic, and we just did we relayed. We moved the boxes oh from from the van into the the back of the two Honda hatchbacks, oh, drove them up, and parked them right by the door uh, to the to the garage. Uh, you know, and then only it was only like six steps up. You know, to basically to her apartment wow. door. So it wasn't wasn't too bad, but but you do have to to keep things like that into account. The van I had uh, was again the had the standard three point five liter gas engine. You can also get it with a diesel um, or with the three point five liter EcoBoost uh, V six. So I had the, the naturally aspirated three five. Uh, you know, how speed. is it with that engine? I had it with the EcoBoost, and you know it's it's plenty fine. It's with the it's 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 adequate. You know, for for driving around town. You know, I mean, it, this is. Um, this is, you know, you can still get, uh, you know, like I think uh, up to a 10,000 pound total, you know, GVW rating, even with the base 3.5. Um, you know, so you, they have different packages that you can get, you know. Um, so it's it's adequate. Uh, it's not particularly fuel efficient, you know, driving around town. You know, I got about 13 miles per gallon with this thing. Um, so, you know, that's not impressive. But... Yeah, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the new Ford, the e-transit that's coming out about a year from now. And, you know, for the types of, you know, commercial customers that use 
this as a you know use this kind of cargo van i think that's actually going to be a really fantastic option for them mm. yeah because you know if you if you look at you know the the operating cost for an electric version of a van like this compared to you know getting 12 or 13 miles per gallon around town and this you know this was you know part at least part of the time was driving it around empty and you know this was not driving on the highway where the aerodynamics of this thing you know are going to be a problem um you know i think that i think that the the electric version of this is going to be a, a really great option for customers um but even you know even the, the gas version you know it's it's this for what it's designed to do it's you know this is a a great package you know to something that can swallow up huge amounts of stuff visibility forward visibility is great in this thing because the way the front yeah. slopes down you can really see out of it easily um you know there's Lots of cup holders in in interesting places, um, you know, on this thing, uh, you know, for the the big old coffee mugs that the kind of people that are going to be operating these things, you know, are probably driving around with. Uh, it's got. I just say like one of those big Yeti things. Yeah. A, a yep. Twelve inch yep. can of beer it's, slides it's right, right in. into the bottom, <laughs> and you put the lid on. Just, just saying. <laughs> I'll take your word bit. for that. It sounds like, you know, we've talked about this, touched on this before, that Ford has done a lot of really good thinking about how people use their vehicles. Yeah, you know, and the, the Transit, you know, is the, the latest generation, uh, you know, it's, it's the replacement for the, the old Econolines. This is based on the kind of van that they've been using in Europe, you know, doing in Europe for, for several decades now. You know, so this is the latest generation of, of that vehicle the europe the european style van which is quite different from the traditional econoline uh you know chevy express uh type of vans you know the old dodge vans um you know the closest you know the the comparable vehicles that are available here are the uh the the mercedes sprinter and the ram promaster uh you know which are you know similar in size and and specs you know again have they have that relatively low floor um, the, the different roof heights, different lengths that are available. So these, you know, these are, you know, the ideal large commercial vans. And, uh, you know, I, I think this, this is why, you know, the, the kinds of thinking that, you know, Ford has put into this is why the transit is the best selling commercial van in the world. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a really good vehicle. Um, yeah, I, I thought, um, I, I think that's the reason why, uh, it sells so well too. Is that I think the drivers like them. Yeah. You now you you drive drive an E series and you're like, yeah, okay, it's it's a van. It's it's that consistent sort of truck based van experience. But uh, the Transit just takes it a little easier on you. You know, ride, especially as a 150, it rides better. It handles way better than an E series van. So it doesn't beat the hell out of you quite as much um, as the the truck based van. And by not having that full frame, it, that capacity goes into cargo yep instead and it's, it's and easy to get economy. in and out of you know it, as you said it's comfortable it's good visit good forward visibility at least um yeah. yeah i mean you know the the cargo vans don't have side windows but this one did have the um the the tail you know the the, the rear doors that had the windows in there so straight back yeah. you know if it's not full you can you can get visibility straight out the back and one other thing with the the, the back doors you know they swing out to the side uh, by default, you know, they swing out about a little over 90 degrees, um, you know, from, from the back, you know, so they're basically straight out the, the back, but you can also, there's a latch on either side, so you can unlatch those and fold it all the way around the side. So yeah. 
you know, for, for applications where, you know, perhaps you have to load up, you know, back up to a loading ramp or, or something like that. You can fold the doors all the way around and back all the way up to, to a ramp, uh, which can be very handy in many cases. Yeah. It's, you know, Ford has, I think overall with their business, they've taken a really hard look at where their customers come from and where they can be mostly assured of recurring sales. And that seems to be the commercial market. They've made a, a pretty deep investment uh, on commercial customers with everything they're doing. You know, you really see that move to supporting fleets with the e-transit and which is with the transit itself and then with the different options they offer for upfitting. And they really know what those folks are doing with those vehicles. They're designing the vehicles to fit those needs. Even the new F-150, right, with the the hybrid and the generator on board and the tailgate that you can use as a workbench and stuff, they've, they're really tuned into, I think, the people who are regular buyers on a much tighter cycle than just everyday civilians right. you know, who keep their cars for like 12 years. So I, I feel like Ford, at a certain point in the last five years, took a real hard look at, at you know, how are we going to keep this thing going? And they realized or, or just recommitted to supporting their commercial customers with commercial product because that's going to be an ongoing stream of, of sales for them mm. that they, they can count on. Even when the economy turns down, you may see a reduction in some of those those purchases, but it'll be a percentage, not a complete like flatline yeah um you know so it's a really interesting sort of business case but the product yeah. itself i mean it's it's not a sexy part of the business but it's a part of the business that's a right. really important part and it yeah. pays well, and a lot of the bills right it's steady it's profitable and i i think you know we're not wall street analysts but i do think that wall street has not Thank given them god. credit <laughs> oh my gosh exactly <laughs> but you know i do think that wall street hasn't necessarily given them credit for that kind of protecting that revenue stream as well as they have yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you know they can afford to offer those vehicles at a, a um almost at a, a lower margin because there's a lot less in some ways there's less production variety all of the variety in the commercial vehicles tends to come from the upfitters, yeah, not from well. The, I mean, the there's factory. There, there's you know, there's a fair amount of variety in terms of you know the the body lengths and and the powertrains. You know, like three. That's not that expensive to do. No, it's it's not. It, but you know, you do have you do have multiple configurations there. Again, you know, but it it's something that you need for those customers. You know, they you know some customers don't need the extra height roof. You know, so they you know they can get by with the, the regular the, the standard roof. You know, some need a longer body, some don't. So you know, having the having that flexibility in there definitely helps. Yeah. So so the next vehicle I had. Um, could almost fit in the back of the T-150 <laughs> Transit, uh, which is the, the 2021 Nissan Kicks. And, you know, we've talked about the Kicks before. You know, this is Nissan's entry-level um, crossover, uh, you know, much like the the Hyundai Venue and, you know, a number of others, you know, at this this entry point, you know, that start, you know, have a starting price under $20,000. Um, it got a a mild refresh for 2021, you know, so the, the, the core stuff, you know, is the same as it was. It still has the same 1.6 liter 
uh, naturally aspirated four cylinder with a CVT, 122 horsepower, which is adequate. You know, it's it's the same. You know, the the Kicks is based on the same platform as the Versa. Um, so this is, you know, the Kicks is essentially the replacement for the old Versa hatchback um, because people weren't buying those, but they're they're actually <laughs> buying quite a few Kicks. Um, and you know, for the most part, you know, it hasn't changed dramatically on the outside. Um, you know, the the big thing, you know, new front fascia with it's 2020, so it must have a larger grill. Um, but, you know, I think, I think, you know, the, the proportions on this thing, it actually looks, looks good. You know, I, I don't have a complaint with, with the size of the grill. You know, if anything, the grill on the old one was maybe a little small, you know, left a lot of sheet metal there around this it. This grill doesn't look bad. No, it, lo- it looks good. So, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm content with that. You know, a little bit of re-sculpting on the rear fascia, you know, but nothing, nothing dramatic. Um, new new headlights. Um, the, it the looks more, like there's different colors and cool yeah, there's stuff some different color can, combinations, yeah. you know, okay. things like that. So yeah, the kind of stuff that you know you do for a minor mid cycle update. The more important stuff is really on the inside, um, where again, it's not <clears throat> it's not dramatic changes, but um, uh, the uh, the the center touch screen um, previously just had a seven inch screen that was available, and I think the base model actually had. Uh, a non-touch radio. So the standard, the S trim level uh, has a seven inch touch screen, which is still, you know, kind of a mediocre display, but in, you know, it is what it is. We've I've complained about Nissan's displays in the past. <laughs> the, uh, the SV and the SR get an eight inch display, uh, which is a little better. Um, and uh, you know, it's, it's definitely an improvement from some of the other Nissan screens then, but the, the most important change is actually in the center console. Previously, the kicks, um, you know, you had it came down, you had the the shifter at the front and then the console just kind of dropped down and and you ended up with kind of very, very shallow tray with a couple of cup holders built into it along the kind of along the floor. And it was a fold down armrest on the driver's seat, which was kind of flimsy. Um, We now the kicks now has a, you know, a full console that goes all the way back. Uh, it extends back and you have um, nice deep cup holders in there now. So now you can stick that Yeti right down in there and it's not going to be wobbling around. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be held in place. And then there's a storage compartment on the, the back portion of it and a, a, an armrest, a full, you know, an armrest that's part of that console. So you lift up the armrest, you have access to a storage cubby there. Uh, so it's, it's, it's definitely much more functional in that area. Um, they've also made uh, some other assorted things, standard equipment now for uh, for t- the 2021 models, including the uh, um, they've expanded the Nissan Safety Shield 360 package, the ADAS package. So you've got automatic emergency braking with pedestrian detection, lane departure warning, uh, radar blind spot monitors on, and cross traffic alert, uh, high beam assist and uh, rear automatic braking, which uh, can be handy sometimes when I was because I had se- several other cars in the driveway while I had for the weekend, I had the kicks. Um, I was parking it off to the side and uh, there was, uh, you know, I, I was, as I was backing it up, I was backing up towards some, some um, tall grass that was there along near, near the edge of the driveway. And the first time I, I backed it up towards that, all of a sudden I felt the thing just lurch to a stop. Uh, <laughs> and that was the, the rear, the rear automatic braking, you know, it had the sen- the sonar sensors had detected what was behind me 
you know, I could have easily run it over without any problem, but, um, you know, it detected that grass there and just slammed on the brakes, which, you know, if you have, uh, you know, young kids or, or, um, you know, young kids that are either wandering around behind the car or leaving bikes and other stuff behind the car, it'll detect that stuff. Um, and, you know, put on the brakes, you know, before something tragic happens, which I just wish there was a way it could sense the density of stuff. So like grass is not going to be terribly dense and seem like, yeah, it's just, grass. yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just using the, um, the sonar sensors, which are not very, they're cheap, but they're not very sophisticated. So, yeah. you know, eventually, you know, when we get more radar sensors on vehicles and that is something you could definitely do, but, um, you know, it's still, it's better than, than nothing at all. Uh, it's a so, twenty thousand dollar vehicle. Yeah, yeah, and that's <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a standard feature on this twenty thousand dollar vehicle. That's impressive. Um, so uh, you know, and then the one I had was the mid level SV. The SV and the SR um, also have um, uh, adaptive cruise control, um, which wow. is nice to have at that price point. Um, we don't have final pricing uh, yet on the the twenty twenty one kicks, um, but the the twenty twenties uh, were you know they started. Uh, just over nineteen thousand, so twenty thousand with delivery charge, uh, and then twenty two um, for uh, the SV uh, with the with the delivery is twenty one plus plus thousand bucks delivery charge. Um, you know, one it's it's a you know it's a it's a nice package, a nice size package. You know, that's very affordable and gives you lots of features. Um, you know, the the powertrain is is adequate. It gets you know good fuel economy. You know, averages thirty three combined um on epa and um but the, you know if you need all-wheel drive um this is not the the vehicle for you like mm -hmm. the venue it's front wheel drive only um uh, but how, did, um, how was the cvt how whiny was that nissan actually does a better job than most manufacturers with the cvt so it's it's actually it doesn't feel too bad you know they program it you know to behave more like a a step ratio transmission so it doesn't really feel much like a CVT. Yeah, um, I found that in the Versa too. The CVT yeah. was totally fine, totally unobtrusive. The only time you really ever noticed uh, the CVT nature was when you just needed all of the power. Mm. Right. And and since there isn't a whole lot of power to work with, you know, <laughs> 122, you know, it, it does, you know, you will... You will hear it and feel it working, but it's it's not bad. I mean, for for, for normal driving, it's perfectly adequate. So. Sorry, Lucy is very upset with me. It's okay, <laughs> she has some stuff to talk about. <laughs> My goodness, she's being very aggressive. Um, uh, you know, I, I just, I was very impressed with the Versa. I haven't had the kicks, but the Versa is much of the same hardware, and it's not like it's sophisticated stuff. And I don't mean that as... Uh, uh, an insult to it. I like that it's made from pretty standard kind of durable parts with, you know, proven designs that, uh, you know, there's nothing real fancy to blow up on you after you buy your $20,000 entry level car and uh, cost you, you know, $5,000 in, in a few years. You know, I, I like that. It's just, it's, it's a simple design and it delivers, mm -hmm. you know, it, it really, it's, it's good to drive. It's uh, clearly affordable to make and buy, uh, and there, you know, Nissan does some fun stuff. So you can get different roof colors and door handles. And yeah, the, the, and stuff you stuff. do have some nice visual options, and I, I think you know the changes, the visual changes they made to it. You know, the, with the grill and everything, I, I think they it works well. <laughs> so I think that this is this is a good upgrade. So 
Uh, well, yeah. I like those safety features because this is going to tend to be a younger buyer potentially, you know, and I, frankly, those kinds of safety features help any age buyer mm-hmm. um, yeah. because we do see a lot of empty nesters getting into something like this. And so I think this is, I, I, I'm really like the fact that they focus on it, you know, that safety shield 360. And I was going to talk about this vehicle next week, but I had the, Nissan Altima, and that was my first experience with the blue button on the dash. That's the or on the steering wheel. Yeah, the that's the ProPilot okay. assist. Yeah. Okay, so that was interesting. So we'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> and then, so did yours have the stitching on the dash and stuff? It so did have it, the stitching on the dash. Yeah. You know, and so you know they 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 did some. You know, they improved the trim a little bit on the SV and the SR. Uh, you know, I mean, it's still. You know, it's, it's not a luxury vehicle, but it it looks it looks nice enough. You know, it's it's yeah. Good. That that was my my takeaway with the the Versa as well. Like, yeah, clearly it's not a luxury car, but it it feels nice in there. You know, it, it there's been attention paid to it instead of it just being a cheap, it doesn't feel cheap plastic. It's inexpensive, yeah. but it doesn't yeah. feel cheap. You know, yeah. So I mean, you can you know it you can you know you look at it and you compare it to more premium cars, and you know it's certainly. You can tell that, you know, this is a car built to a, a lower price point, but it doesn't feel like you're sacrificing much, you know, it, so it's, it's not, it's not punishing you, which is good. I mean, that's, that's what you want. You know, you don't, just because you can't necessarily afford something more expensive doesn't mean that you should, you know, be, you know, have, have something that doesn't at least, at least look and feel decent. Well, I mean, I think too, even if you can't afford it, you know, one of the things that pushes, you out of a, a less expensive car, even if you don't want to spend much more, is that it it feels like a penalty, you know. So if they're making it nice, there you know it, for for that twenty grand, you don't have to spend more, even if you could, you know. It's just uh, like for me, I I really don't feel like I should spend more than twenty thousand dollars on a car ever, um, and, and I have because. <laughs> You know, you get to a point where you want the stuff that you want and depending on how much inventory there is out there for used cars and stuff. But if you want a new car around 20 grand, you you don't necessarily have to suffer. And that's I think that's a newer development as well. And it's it's nice to see that the affordable stuff is, is becoming um, a little bit more attuned to the fact that, like, it's not just people who don't have any more means that buy here. Well, it doesn't punish the buyer. Yeah. Right. It still recognizes that you've spent $20,000 of your money on this vehicle. And rather than punish them, they give them a good experience. And then when budget or lifestyle or both can, you can spend more money. Ideally you stay in the brand and move up or you even go to infinity, you know, like if you have a good experience with this vehicle and you're going to tell other people, and so, you know, rather than punishing somebody who's buying your entry level vehicle, give them those emotional solutions and those goodies that don't really cost you much more money, but really right. foster goodwill. Yeah. 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 So here's my question, too, is how does the kick stack up against like the Soul, the EcoSport, Echo Sport, I'm sorry, uh, the Crosstrack, um, CHR, Kona, C- CX3? Like it's a very competitive market. It, it is. Um, you know, I think that the... Well, the Echo Sport in particular, I think, is not really very competitive anymore. God, I love wringing that thing's neck, though. It's so much yeah, fun. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's charming in a shitty yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's a, it's an old design. I think you know it's going to get replaced in the next year or so, uh, most likely. Um, 
you know, it's not as efficient. Uh, it's not as roomy inside. Um, you know, but you know, the, compared to the soul, um, you know, the venue, uh, you know, CHR, you know, I think, I think that the kicks is very competitive against all those, you know? And so I think you've got a lot of good choices in that segment. You know, the soul I think is probably more, you know, kind of one step up from there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of its size and, and everything. And, and, you know, you can, you can trim, you know, you can trim out a soul, you know, with the turbo and, you know, the X line and things like that. And you can get it to a considerably higher price point than the maximum price of a kicks. Um, but, you know, certainly compared to something like the venue or the, or the CHR, you know, I think that this is a, a really, really good option. And I think we're going to see more, uh, we're going to see some more options like this in the market in the next couple of years. I'm down. All right. I'm all, all right, for Rebecca, it. what about you? What did you have? So I had a couple of different fun ones. I, my first one that I had, and I'm kind of overlapping um, in the driveway here. I had the Chevy Suburban Diesel, which... Kind of the opposite know, of the kicks. Yes, kind of the opposite. I think it could fit in, in the back of it. And, <laughs> you know, as, as our loyal, lovely listeners know, you know, when I'm driving around town... Um, on the streets of Greenwich and Kirby Roads and stuff. Sometimes these full-on seven-seat, and this thing is seven-seat and then some, they can feel just enormous. But this was actually really, really good. Like, I was pleasantly surprised by how quiet it drove and how small it drove. And not just given its size, but just I never felt, like, ridiculous in it. (laughs) I have in other vehicles. This is I don't see how you could feel ridiculous in a brand new suburban in Greenwich. Yeah. I think that's on point. <laughs> it's like, very on point. Uh it's very quiet inside and a diesel is not always quiet. What was impressive was that it was quiet outside as well. And it you know when we think of some people think of diesels it's loud and noisy and smoky and uh, you know this kind of rumbling commercial truck kind of feel. This is none of that. It's incredibly refined. So I've got this giant 2021 Chevy Suburban diesel. I'm cruising around Greenwich in it. And it's got this 3.0 liter inline six Duramax turbo diesel in it. 277 horsepower, 460 pound feet of torque. And the thing is just amazingly good. I was really, really impressed with it. It's quiet, both inside and outside. It's not one of those diesels that you think of that it's actually, you know, going to cough up and wake up your neighbors or something. It's just, it has this really lovely level of refinement. It's a 10 speed automatic. This has this auto track where it's two wheel drive and then it automatically switches to four wheel drive on demand. You can do it on the fly as well. But, you know, if it senses that the wheels are slipping and it's actually actively snowing right now, so I can imagine it doing this. I, you know, it'll automatically engage your four wheel drive. And I like that a lot. I, you know, I like the idea that it's got me covered, whether if I actively engage it myself or if it comes into play when I need it, because it's just that sense of of reassurance. So, you know, this is the first diesel in the Suburban. And I think they did a really, really good job with it. And 7,700 pounds of towing capacity. And, you know, a lot of people will use that kind of capability in this. So the estimate is 22 miles per gallon combined. 
I got 18 and, and a half, which isn't terrible, especially when you think of, you know, I did a lot of stopping and going in, in town driving and of course on the highway as well. So just overall, I thought it was really, really nice. It's was it, not like, cheap, were, yeah. were you driving around? Was it snowy when you were driving it around? Unfortunately, it was not. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm just wondering, because that, that would certainly affect your fuel economy. You know, it's going to cut your fuel economy if you're driving around in snow and things like that. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, was, I wasn't driving in snow. Um, but, you know, the roads are curvy around here. There's a lot of braking that goes on, you know, so. And you are a lead foot, so. And I am a lead foot. <laughs> well, and you know what? It's. I mean, I will say, you know, merging onto the highway, especially a highway like 95, where there's only three lanes, even in the busiest parts, and the trucks are big, and they, you know, this thing, this thing hauled from that standpoint. I mean, it was nice to have. Uh, even a refined diesel has some fantastic pickup to it. So from that standpoint, it, it was really great. So the one that I had, it starts. The suburban overall starts at sixty-eight three, um, and the one that I tested was seventy-seven, just almost seventy-eight thousand. And you know it it comes with a standard five point three liter. There's also a six point two liter uh, V eight. Both are V eight engines. But this diesel, I think if if you know if you want long range, also it's a fantastic option. I think for people. Yeah, I I had the I haven't driven the new Suburban yet, but I drove the Silverado with that engine a couple of months back, a few months back, and I was equally impressed with it. I mean that that oh, is good. a really fantastic engine. I remember a couple of years ago when they launched the new, the current generation Silverado at the Auto Detroit Auto Show, I talked to Dan Nicholson, who was the head of GM Powertrain at the time. You know, and that was the first time that they had announced this this new diesel engine that it was an inline six, which is different from what you find from the FCA and you know from the Ram and the, and the Ford pickups. They have V6 engines, three liter V6s, and I asked Dan why they did an inline six. You know, because this is clearly a brand new engine. It's not. It's not a derivative of any existing powertrain, and um, said you know, we we took it we we took the inline six configuration because we wanted a smoother, quieter engine, mm. and uh, you know since they were doing an engine from scratch anyway, they weren't they weren't modifying an existing design. You know they they figured okay if we're going to do it let's let's make it the best we possibly can, and and I think they they totally succeeded at that. You know it's one of the most efficient. Um, you know, light duty diesel truck, you know, truck engines, and certainly the, by far and away, I think the most refined. Well, and what's interesting too, you know, and, and hearkening back to when we were talking about the $10,000 diesel option in the fourth, this is a few hundred dollars difference. I mean, right. When yeah. I'm looking at the specs, so the 5.3 liter starts, uh, V8 starts at 69.5. And the Duramax Turbo in the same trim, the Premier trim, starts at seventy five, seventy thousand five. So it's like a, it's not even a thousand dollars, nine ninety five difference. And so, you know, you're going to be able to get that back pretty quickly in terms of fuel economy. Oh, absolutely. And and you know, you got to keep in mind that you know the diesel that's in the the heavy duty trucks like that that uh, Tremor. You know that's a that's a very different engine. It's a much larger, much more powerful mm. engine, and it's also you know the transmission that they have to use with that because of the torque. You know those those diesel engines in the heavy duty trucks 
produce, you know, more than double the torque that's from this thing. You know, they produce almost a thousand foot pounds of torque in some cases. And so they have to have a much heavier duty transmission. And that adds to the cost of the package. Whereas, okay. you know, this diesel, um, you know, it's using the same 10 speed automatic that you get with the gas engines. Uh, you know, so it's, you know, I think it's, it's a, it's a, it is a surprisingly affordable alternative, you know, compared to some of the other diesels, that you, you know, like the Ram and the, and the Ford diesels are considerably more expensive uh, relative to the gas uh, engines in those trucks. Yeah. This, the upgrade is, is it, you're not really paying much of a premium for that kind of upgrade in terms of, of fuel economy and torque and performance. And as I said, there's what I was really most impressed with was just how refined it was. I didn't, you know, I wasn't constantly conscious of the fact that I was driving a diesel. It was just a good family vehicle. There's a ton of room in it. I couldn't believe how much room there was in the back, even with all three seats uh, up, it was, there was still a ton of room inside. I was not thrilled with the gear selector. So this is, so if you're looking at the steering wheel, it's to the right, upper right, and it's got levers and pushes. And so to put it in park, you push, to put it in reverse, you pull the lever, uh, neutral, you push, drive, you pull. And it definitely took some getting used to. It's kind of this weird setup. And so I, it, it, it just takes a little bit of practice to get used to. It does keep it out of the way. They have this electronic uh, center console that moves. So you can move it backwards and forwards, which is kind of fun. And so that, you know, you can put it all the way back for kids if they want to have, you know, people in the, in the second row can access it. Um, or you can move it all the way forward as a typical armrest. It did have Android Auto and Apple CarPlay wirelessly, which worked out really, really well. Very, very seamless behavior there. But it was a little bit tricky getting initially getting used to that gear selector and understanding what it was. The other weird thing is that it had this little to the right of the of the screen um, and in, in the center, the center of the dash, it had this little door like a two a two inch wide by three inch high door that I don't know what goes in there. I mean, it's actually quite handy for masks these days. <laughs> that's where the house elves live. <laughs> I, mean, I, think, kind of I think that's actually meant to, you know, put your, I think you can actually put your phone in there. It was too small. Was it? Okay. I, uh, I can't remember yeah, what they talked I didn't. I remember, I remember them mentioning that at the uh, reveal of the, the new okay. Tahoe Suburban, but I can't remember what the explanation was. I mean, well, maybe it would In fit states some... like Massachusetts where it's legal, that's where your one hitter and your bag of weed goes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I didn't feel like my phone would fit in there, but maybe it would, but it was really it, hard to get yeah. open. So it was kind of like, I, you know, I had to, I had to really kind of play with it. And frankly, I didn't want to break my nails. And so, <laughs> so it was just, it was just a weird sort of thing. But as I said, like, it's great. That's where you can stash your masks or your stash, apparently. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but you know the the interior is lovely. The leather is really nice on it. Um, the this one had the panoramic sunroof, which was really cool. Um, and the the center console is actually I, the, I took a picture of it. 
I sat on this after I had moved the center console all the way towards the back. There, there's still so much leg room there that you can actually sit on that center console and like talk to people. It's almost like the, the um, you know, those captain chairs that that can be turned around. Mm-hmm. Like it was sort of that. Like it's a whole nother seat in there. Not obviously when you're driving, but um, if you're sitting there, you know, tailgating or something. But there's a ton of room in it, and it's just a big American family car. <laughs> Did um. I can't remember. Does the Premier have the air spring suspension in it? I think it does. Oh, yes. I, I, yeah, don't trust I would assume. The, that it, so I don't it, trust. The it definitely has. It I definitely has the, the magnetic ride control. I'm looking at the specs yes. here, which it is. Well, I was going to say with the with the towing package, it probably has the the air suspension as well. So if it had, I think you had mentioned it had the towing package. So um, I would assume those two go together. And that's one of the things that I like about it as the, so like you said, no, the, family the Premier, SUV the Premier is, does not have the air ride suspension. Oh, really? but it does have the max trailering package. Right. And it's got, it's got the, uh, the Magna ride dampers. So it's got steel coil springs, huh. but the, the Magna ride dampers and then the adaptive air springs are separate. So it's mutually exclusive. You can either get the Magna ride or the air suspension. Mm. Oh, well that, I guess that makes a little yeah. sense from how they, they tier the, the, options but i i would assume that if you're towing you're going to want the uh the air suspension anyway to keep that that trailer ton level because the the thing about it is it has a 7700 pound towing capacity that means you put everybody in the car all the stuff right uh, and that's that's one of the things that it's it's great for it's it's enclosed storage for the normal family plus all of their things and then it can tow a pretty decent uh you know rv or, or something behind it um the thing you got to watch out for is when you get all those corn-fed americans into a vehicle uh it might sag a little bit when you get a little trailer tongue weight that's above you know 10 percent of the load or just poorly poorly loaded and stuff and i see enough of these on the highway towing heavy things sagging like crazy i'm just like you've got no steering control man like that's that's bad you should figure that out um So, yeah, but that, that's, a, that's a healthy towing capacity for something that's going to get decent economy, too, with the, the diesel engine. So it'll, it may not get more than 18, but it'll get 18 while you're towing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know? but so, no, I, th- I thought they did a really, really nice job on it. Cool. So that was, um, I only had it for three days, so I didn't get a chance to, like, you know, really do too much with it. But um, driving around with it, it was, it was very, very well behaved. And, and it's really handsome. Just a really nice looking vehicle. So, um, and again, the quality of the interior, which GM had historically had issues with, you know, years ago. Uh, I think if you haven't been in a GM or months product, ago in some cases, or months ago, you know, I was trying <laughs> to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, if you haven't been in a GM vehicle lately, I think that this would be a good one to kind of check out and see see what they've done in terms of you know attention to detail and such. Cool. All right. All right. So the other one that I had, oh. sorry, just briefly, was the 2021 Forerunner, the TRD Pro. <laughs> Wait, the, yeah, the Forerunner is a time machine. Oh, you get my in that gosh. Thing, it's like 2007. It, but, you know, <laughs> there's still just an authenticity to it. And I will say that I was very partial to, it had this you know, great blacked out grill on it, this lunar rock color, which is that like really rich, deep gray that is 
almost green at times. And it's just, it's just such, I kept taking pictures of it because it's just such a cool looking vehicle. Um, and yeah, it's, it is almost crude at times. Um, but you feel like you can do anything with it. You know, it's got a 4.0 liter V6 engine in it, five speed automatic transmission, which is kind of hilarious these days. Um, but it's authentic and I liked it. Yeah. Oh, none of it's bad. You know, I, I really like the, the way that engine and transmission are so well matched and it, it actually has a little bit of Lexus refinement, even though it's only five speeds, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, uses those well. It does. So. <laughs> it does. No, I just, you know, it's a, it's interesting because it's, to me, it's a really fun kind of vehicle. Again, very sort of old school, but it's 50 grand. So it's certainly not cheap by any stretch. No. Uh, you know. But none of those things are, you know, your alternative is so you get the forerunner or a Wrangler unlimited. You can certainly get a Wrangler unlimited into Oh yes. Very oh no, absolutely. Air. Absolutely. <laughs> so this thing does have, you know, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. It does have Amazon Alexa. They have this and I had the as I mentioned, the TRD Pro. Uh, so, you right. know, each trim is a little bit different, but so, you know, it does have some of those um technological features that it didn't even have a, a you yeah. know, very short like last time. Year. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 new in the last couple of years is infotainment they can do right uh, more more than like uh you know hand crank uh, call the operator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so you know this thing is it's like if you need a good off-road beat around kind of vehicle, I I you know part-time four-wheel drive it's got the locking rear differential on this one. I, I, you know, almost 10 inch ground clearance, but I actually was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't that hard to get in and out of. It did have the running boards on it. Uh, this is not a car that my mother could ever get in and out of God bless her, but it was just, you know, again, it's, it's kind of fun. You feel sort of badass in it. Um, if you're feeling insecure, I feel sort of badass in everything. Come on. That's, <laughs> I'm a legend in my own mind, um, but no, no, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Carry on. Um, you know, it had, uh, it's got a 5,000 towing rating on it and I don't know, it's just, you know, it's one of those vehicles that if you've got an extra 50 grand, throw it in your fleet. <laughs> Jesus, that's, that's a ringing endorsement. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you've got nothing else to do with the money. I think that the the thing that the Forerunner continues to stay sort of authentic about, uh, like you said, it's authentic, is its capability off-road. It's really well-behaved on-road mm -hmm. as well. Um, it it has a little bit of, of unrefinement on on road to to a degree like you you know that this is a car that you can take off yes. road. It's, it's a you hear the tires a little bit it's it's a little um you're, you're closer to the mechanical nature of the machine <laughs> well when you then you are in some newer stuff. and when you think about you know the land rover defender that we talked about earlier you know that thing was very very fined on and off yeah. road that actually yeah. starts at 49.9 so you know, you're not going to get all the bells and whistles, but you're not, you're not going to, you don't have all the bells and whistles on this thing either. So, you know, but it's, I get, for me, it was just, I love the authenticity of it. It doesn't try to pretend something, be something that it's not. It is, it's an off-road, very highly capable vehicle. I really liked the size of it, you know, definitely five passenger only. Um, but there's a good amount of room in the back and, 
I don't know. It's just, it's, it's something that, you know, it's got the, the TRD pro has the roof racks on it. And they mentioned it has the blacked out grill and stuff. And it was just, it's just fun. It was just a fun vehicle to have for a week. I definitely could have kept it for longer, but it did. They have added some nice things. The um, auto on and off headlamps, uh, you know, it's got a skid plate on it, 17 inch wheels. So there was some refinement there that it hadn't had in the past. I, the forerunner has really um, grown into its its age mm-hmm. in that way. <laughs> like, yeah, we we joke about it being old, but uh, I I think that it doesn't need to be anything more than it is. There's no reason to redo it if it still exactly. continues to be it's absolutely popular and and you know <laughs> meet whatever safety regs it has to. Like that's that's a truck with a purpose. Um, you can go buy buy a Rav Four if you need something that's that's a little different. Yes. You, know, you you buy you buy a Forerunner because of what it can do, and it it does what it can do really really well. And it's it's just it's it's staying power makes it really charming, but not quaint. Yeah. In a way, you you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. No, I it, mean I never it, felt like I was in a vintage vehicle per se. Right. You know, but the exterior has that same kind of vintage feel to it yeah it's got character it, it does it has it 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 has character to it oh you know and what? I'm so sorry. much on the road has no character i think the one that i had actually may have been a seven seat yeah they do have they have a tiny little third row that yeah like you know not oh no i'm sorry the one that i didn't have i'm sorry um they do have, they do offer a seven seat. The one that I had, I don't think yeah. had it, but, um, but there Forerunner was, there doesn't was seem like a room. vehicle you'd want to have a third row in just, it doesn't seem like there's going to be enough room there to make it useful to anybody. I think if you are hauling around a friend's boyfriend, you don't really like stick them in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're doing your um your uh nato peacekeeping duties it's uh, helpful. Your, your parental thing you know <laughs> your, your daughter's yeah. boyfriend's looking back there but no but it, it, it's a fun vehicle he'll be on he'll be on the roof <laughs> uh, in the in the dog crate strapped to the roof yeah right exactly. <laughs> no, just hang on you little bastard <laughs> make it all the way home i'll let you oh go my gosh okay What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Well, we had a good crop of cars this week. It's taken us a while to to get through, but there was other stuff happening as well. Um, you know, topically, uh, why don't we start with the? There were a couple of announcements from Zooks, but uh, why don't we start with the one that we have on our list about their Robo Taxi? Yeah, so uh, Zooks is a company based in Foster City, California. They started in 2014, and they've been developing not only an automated driving system, but also their own purpose-built robo-taxi vehicle, uh, which is an electric vehicle, you know, that's designed to be automated driving, um, you know, much like the Cruise Origin, uh, but it's actually smaller than the Origin. 
um, you know, we've known for for some time, you know, for several years that they were developing this vehicle, but they finally showed it off last week. And um, it's 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 an interesting vehicle because unlike the Cruise Origin and, and many of the others, this thing is completely symmetrical. So it's it's bi-directional. It's designed to go up to 75 miles an hour in either direction. You know, it's got the same lights front and rear. Um, you know, they, the wheels are actually outside of the bodywork, you know, with kind of bicycle fenders on them. Um, it's got four-wheel steering, four-wheel drive. Uh, and, you know, the lights on the outside are designed to signal to pedestrians and other road users, you know, kind of what, what the vehicle is intending to do. Um, the, you know, with the four wheel steering, it can almost, it can pull into, they show a graphic on their website, you know, showing it pulling into uh, a spot where you can parallel park, but, you know, basically drive right into it straight in and drive straight out without uh, the usual rigmarole you go through with parallel parking. Uh, it's four seater uh, with what they call carriage seating, where everybody's facing the center of the vehicle. Um, they have not indicated when this thing's going to be deployed, when it's going to go into service. And my guess is it's probably not going to be before 2022. Um, but they, you know, with, uh, you know, with Zooks was acquired by Amazon uh, last June. Uh, after they they were trying to raise a, a Series D funding round, they already had raised over a billion dollar or almost a billion dollars, uh, but were having trouble raising more money, and so Amazon acquired them. And like June of twenty twenty. Yeah, June of this year. Okay. Yeah. So I I wouldn't, I, you know, they at the time you know they said that they remain committed to Zooks's vision of robo taxis, but this is not an area that Amazon's ever gotten into or really expressed any mm -hmm. interest in previously. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a version of this vehicle that dispenses with the passenger module and replaces that with um, with portable Amazon lockers to do contactless mm. delivery. Uh, nice. I, think it, I think it would be perfect for that. Uh, I mean, what else was Amazon trying to stop paying for? Gosh, I mean, I think if they if they use that Zooks electric delivery van, too, they could they could almost put the two things together. Right. And get. Um, Get their Amazon fleet without drivers. Yeah, well, you know the the you know the Rivian vans you know are much larger. You know they're you know on the order of the size of the the transits. You know those are for doing larger package deliveries and you know moving stuff between warehouses and so on. This would be more for urban deliveries. Uh, you know for the kind of the kind of stuff that they've talked about. You know with doing one or two hour deliveries. You know from local warehouses. You know, you can send it out, you know, it can pull right up curbside. You can scan the barcode from your, from your phone. It'll pop, pop the locker door open. You take your package, close the door and it goes on to do the next delivery. Well, think of like Whole Foods, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, whole, yeah. I mean, this could be amazing for Whole Foods delivery, which Amazon already owns. Exactly. Yeah. So that, you know, that sort of thing, small packages, Whole Foods, uh, you know, grocery deliveries, all, all kinds of local uh, last mile deliveries, you know, and it's, it's fully electric. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting vehicle. Yeah. Just I think that's me, just, um, it's really, it's really, really cool. I mean, I, if you take the driver out and let them do things that they let them focus on the deliveries that require a, a human, whether it's moving the packages or whatever, and let this, especially as we continue to see growth in delivery services and demand, 
let these things do that. Like if you think, you know, like all, all the whole foods can be delivered this way or, you know, and they can contract with other companies like ShopRite and Wegmans and all those, you know, this could be really, really revolutionary. It makes me a little sad about what it might mean for labor. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, but you, on the other hand too, uh, well, well but, but you still, you would still have drivers that would focus on potentially more profitable deliveries they're not making a lot of money on grocery deliveries. I suppose they're also not paying their drivers. Yes, that's true. <laughs> well, yeah, that's another and, issue and that they have of, right a now. Their, <laughs> a lot of their drivers are contract workers, too. They're not yeah. Amazon employees. Uh, so, you know, a lot of, you know, we occasionally get, uh, you know, Amazon deliveries that show up, you know, in just a plain white van. It's not, mm. you know, it doesn't have the Amazon Prime logo on the yeah. side uh, or sometimes even in a car. Yeah, and I think this, I think Amazon calls this service uh, Flex, Amazon Flex, you know, which is a, a gig a gig delivery, you know, it's like Uber Eats yeah. or, you know, some of these other well, ones. Well, UPS does it yeah. too, where they give you a, st a stipend for using your, well, UPS actually gives you, a, I think, a stipend for using your own vehicle and, and stuff. But I, I mean, we're not going to solve that labor discussion on our podcast, <laughs> um, but I, like I do, I, I, I kind of feel like it's something that we should consider as we, we look at this tech that it's going to keep continuing to get developed, but what is the, what's the upside? What's the downside? Um, and I just, I look at this and I go, Zook's basically made a train. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, they the wheels are on the outside. It's got coach seating, sliding doors on either it's, side. This it's, is a it's, mini, it's a, it's a train, mini train, train where each of the train cars is independently, can operate independently without rails. <laughs> yeah. So, the, and they don't need to be coupled. Yeah. So it's, but you could, you could you know, swarm them, right? Oh, yeah. You can, you can sure. have them, yeah, for sure. you know, de deployed in a certain way. So I'm actually really excited to, to see it deployed in a transit uh, application. Uh, like, like that to me seems like you could run on surface streets as a transit route and, you know, put them in, in a protected lane and uh, you don't need to lay rails to do what light rail would do. There, so that's really fascinating to me. And, and I know that there's, it's probably well, not going to happen, you know, but like and, that seems easy. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, because this kind of vehicle can go, you know, anywhere, um, it, it, you know, it, in, when you integrate it with mass transit, you know, cause mass transit is great for certain routes where you have a lot of people mm -hmm. traveling, you know, you can have much higher density of people in a bus or a subway than you can have in one of these vehicles. Granted, you know, the, the Zooks vehicle is less than 12 feet long, so it's over a foot shorter than a Honda Fit. So it actually has a very small physical footprint and it's very maneuverable, which is good, you wow. know, for reducing congestion. You don't, you know, you don't need individuals driving around in Chevy Suburbans, you know, in around a city. <laughs> as a for instance. As, as, as just as a, as a hypothetical example. Well, I mean, that's what Uber would yeah. do, right? Like, that's, you know, yeah. So, you know, having this, you know, having a small footprint vehicle makes a lot of sense in urban environments, you know, and then, you know, to use that in combination with, uh, you know, longer trips, you know, along high density routes, you know, feeding in and feeding out, you know, for the first mile, last mile, into those high density routes, you know, makes a lot of sense, you know, and having a coordinated mobility ecosystem, uh, you know, that utilizes this as part of that ecosystem, I think it can work, has the potential to work really well. Speaking of uh, interesting technology, Dan, you had a story you wanted to talk about uh, that involves Hyundai. Uh, yeah, so this week, um, 
Hyundai bought Boston Dynamics, the the company that makes those uh, robotic murder dogs <laughs> that are terrifying. <laughs> um, and this is the... F- I I don't know how many this is the most recent ownership change for this company that's gone through a lot of ownership changes in the not too too far past. Um and so its most recent owner I think was SoftBank uh and they valued the company at 1.1 billion. Um Google had been involved before that and it spun out of MIT in the late 90s. And I'm sure if you look for Boston Dynamics dogs and and Big Dog and stuff you'll you'll find the videos of the the robotics that they produce and they actually just started selling i think this year one of their products that is it's it's a dog um it so looked, that, it's shaped like a dog it's a robotic yeah. dog. well they call it spot so it's a dog you know yeah. and like it, um but what it, you know basically instead of having like a you know a bunch of hungry dobermans that wander around your your warehouse you can just have this this electric robotic dog do the same thing um to uh a you know dog shaped robot right and, but they're, <laughs> like they're fascinating they're they're amazing um you know they they have uh from what you can see from the videos you know they have really well developed software so you know they can handle like being uh on slip terrain or you know, getting um, bumped or shoved, you know, they don't just tip over. They can sort of scramble. They they do move very much like an animal would. And uh, or well, and, and that's what it was well. designed for. The you know, originally, the original spot or, or big dog or whatever the original variant was, it was designed for the military as essentially as a pack animal. You know, right. And that's why I call it a murder dog. Yes. Because <laughs> like all of this, uh, consumer and industry sort of gloss that they're putting on it. And you look at this and you go, Oh, the first application for that is, is going to be military. Like, yeah, it's... well, you know, you, you know, one of the interesting applications or, you know, terrifying applications earlier this year <laughs> during the pandemic in Singapore, they deployed a couple of these things wandering around the streets of Singapore, um, looking for people that weren't wearing masks. And oh, I wasn't sure oh, they're looking for gum. But, you know, look, looking for people that were not wearing masks right. and, and then it just you know, vaporized them. Well, yeah. well, no, it was just, you know, it would stop and, you know, tell the person to put their mask on and then vaporize them, you know, yeah. to like an American. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of interesting possibilities. Exactly why Hyundai wants these things and wants this company is not entirely clear at this point. So, right. That's my, my main question is why does Hyundai want it? Yeah. But think about Hyundai as a broader company. I mean, this thing is way beyond just automotive. So, you know, they do a lot of shipping and cargo and containers and such. And so, you know, if this kind of technology can facilitate loading and unloading, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it might be from a, you know, it, it's not that the acquisition was confined to Hyundai, Hyundai Motor Company. It's Hyundai, the conglomerate. Okay. Well, that makes a lot more sense now, actually, because like you say, you know, Hyundai, I mean, Hyundai builds cargo ships. Um, and, exactly. And all kinds of other and stuff. skyscrapers so can, and... Right. You name so it. if they can use it yeah. as some sort of integrated solution to say like the Hyundai cargo solution for you know so we've got the robots for loading unloading like you say and then all of the or even just in their factories in their automotive factories um using the robotics uh to to automate production so 
I, I see that that's that makes a lot more sense now than you know the the real extreme vision of like a car with legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which has been has been floated. You know, they've got a humanoid too. They've got one called Atlas um, that can do backflips. So oh. <laughs> I mean it's is it's stuff we need. If you if you I, want if you want to see the the potential of what these kinds of machines can do, um, check out the episode of Black Mirror titled um, <laughs> Heavy Metal, and just see where yeah. this where this can possibly go, and and you will. <laughs> it's terrifying. Well, so there's that, and that's one of the things that I I've been talking about kind of recently is is you know you have to imagine the. Um, the applications of whatever you're developing for good or for bad. Uh, and, and I think that a lot of the things we've seen in the last 20 years, the upside has been um, promoted while the, the downsides have been blind spots by the people who developed it. Uh, yeah. I mean, Uber, for instance, uh, okay. The upside is is pretty clear but the downsides are, are really dark of that of, of a lot of the things they did or just the the way the platform is open for abuse different kinds of abuse and then the way they actually abuse the platform themselves um with gray ball and stuff like that so it's a little scary to look at the tech the tech is not going to stop being developed um and and the tech is really interesting and i think there's a lot of a lot of applications uh f that we're going to be able to benefit from um, and it, it just came out of nowhere for me to, to, to hear that uh, Hyundai bought it. And, and uh, now with a little bit more uh, sort of context around all of it um, from, from your, your pointing out, Rebecca, that Hyundai is a giant conglomerate, um, that, that makes more sense. Yeah, I mean, this is there's 250,000 people that work for a Hyundai conglomerate and there's 300 people at Boston Dynamics. Yeah. You know, and so this is, I mean, I think that they... They bought it for a very strategic reason, but it could be much broader um, and not even focused on automotive. I, yeah, I honestly think that it's probably not focused on automotive, at least for the, the near to midterm. I think that there's other uh, other applications for this that um, may trickle down to automotive in, in some way. But uh, let's just say if they stuff. if they start with the commercials of, you know, must love robotic dogs, then I would start worrying. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be Hyundai's take on Subaru. You know, Subaru is all exactly. about loving the dogs. You know, they have the, the puppy corrals at the Chicago Auto Show. Yeah. And you'll, you'll see, we'll see a commercial for the new Hyundai Ionic 5 EV next year. Uh, the hatch opens up and you see Spot jumping out of the back. It's like, with, with, yeah, then I would be worried. Helium laser eyeballs. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the thing that I think any of that kind of tech uh, is, is going to actually help uh, push is battery technology. Because that's really the biggest issue with all of this stuff is, you know, mm -hmm. their first thing, um, their, their big dog robot, it's actually powered by a two-stroke motor. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, there's just, there's not enough uh, energy in batteries in this form factor uh, to power them for as long as, as you know, they, you might imagine. You know, this, this stuff sucks up a lot of energy. And we got, they got, clearly they've got some sort of stability system in there that uses gyroscopes and, and, and. Yeah, there's some pretty heavy duty and, computing and sensing yeah. and, and the actuators to move those four legs. And so it's, it's going to, uh, it's going to push battery tech more than anything, I think, in the short term, if they want to make 
whatever kind of terrifying stuff. <laughs> Five. Oh God, we're dark. We're just it's like my you're story dark. about driving in the dark. rain. You're like, dark. That's, that, that, is, that is the nice thing about about you know the Boston Dynamics dogs right now is you know chances are you can probably outrun it. Uh, you, you, you probably have more well, endurance than the the robot does. Right, so you've got to make sure that you can sprint faster for a little bit, because uh, if it catches you, you're done. Yeah, yeah it's like being chased Jeez. by a bear. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to be. You don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun your friend. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking, of bear, speaking of bears, speaking yeah. of bears. Nice segue. Lordstown Motors is hooking up with Camping World. Well, so so let's clarify what what Lordstown Motors is. So there, so Lordstown Motors is, and you guys probably know even more about this than I do. But they're Ohio-based EV startup, um, and they're making. There's, they, do they already produce, or they're in no. the process of producing the endurance the, electric pickup truck for fleet? But yeah. They're also working on an RV, an electric RV. Right. So um, they, it's Lordstown Motors kind of a sort of semi spin-off of workhorse the for, the ceo of lordstown is the former ceo of workhorse they have investment from workhorse they recently went public through a spac transaction and they're they've been developing an electric pickup truck they bought the former gm lordstown assembly plant where the chevy cruise used to be built where um, the vega was made Yes, the Vega was made there. That's lots the of Vega lots point. of lots of historic vehicles have been made there, uh, and uh, so uh, they they picked up the Lorestown uh, plant, the Lorestown assembly plant, for pretty much nothing from GM after GM ended uh, production of the Cruise, and um, uh, but you know that gave them a huge assembly plant uh, with a lot of equipment that was not really very useful for building the. The pickup the electric pickup truck they wanted and they didn't really have any cash so they they did this spac merger transaction which got them you know another they basically went public through that and got 600 million dollars so now they've finally started actually retooling the plant to to build these trucks um and it's it's an interesting truck you know it was the the truck design was originally developed by workhorse and licensed to lordstown motors it's it's all very complex you know shadowy <laughs> opaque stuff but anyway um it, it's it's an electric pickup that's designed for commercial applications not really for consumers um one of the unique things about it is instead of you know the motors being inboard like they are on most other evs it's got four hub motors in the wheels which mm. um is an interesting idea in a lot of ways you know because you get infinite you know torque vectoring you know for all four corners but it also has challenges because putting the motors in the wheels makes them heavy means you have uh, a lot more unsprung mass your ride quality is going to degrade and you also have to have big high voltage cables going to the motors which are moving up and down as you're driving down the road instead of just going from a battery to a static motor that's you know mounted in the chassis and so durability could be uh, challenging for this thing but that's a whole other issue um lorestown motors has uh done a deal with camping world which is i think maybe the biggest purveyor of rvs and travel trailers uh in the u.s um and a couple of elements to this uh camping world 
um, locations are going to provide service and maintenance for Lordstown customers, mm -hmm. for Lordstown Motors trucks, uh, because Lordstown doesn't have a dealer network to do service. Um, and um, Lordstown is going to develop um, a battery pack to put into uh, trailers that Camping World sells. You know, instead of using a generator on those, they'll, use, they'll, they'll install battery packs in there. And ultimately, I think they also want to develop a full-blown standalone electric RV based on the, the Lordstown Endurance chassis, uh, which could be interesting. Yeah, I think that this is a, a good sort of lash up for um for lordstown because camping world already has those those locations you know so for for service and and uh, almost like a dealer network right like that's one of the challenges that a lot of these upstart brands are trying to figure out is how do we how do we get those locations into different places and then um you know as part of building the brand how how do we support our product and so by attaching themselves to the Camping World brand using the Camping World network, uh, it seems like a really clever way to, to benefit both companies and, and um, also the consumer because you, you've already got a place you know where to go. Yeah. Um, you know, like I remember the Saturn launch way back. And it was like you, they made a lot of noise about this new car, but then the dealers were really thin. You know, like mm. there was one per state in some places. So. <laughs> No, I like this a lot because also um, just reading through some of the releases that came out, I, they're also investing in electrification because the Marcus Lemonis, who is the CEO of Camping World, also is the CEO of something called Good Sam, not <laughs> to be confused with our own Bad Sam, apparently. Wow. <laughs> but, wow. you know, it is very, it's very, very <laughs> clever uh, because they'll put in EV charging stations and Camping World says I'm going to invest about $4 million um, to upgrade their infrastructure for electrification. But that also means those locations will be places where the, the RVs can be plugged in and recharged. I don't know how long that will take, depending upon what they expect the, the RV to do, but, or the, and the trailer to do. But I think it's a, it's a very clever tapestry of um, tapping into people that, you know, want maybe potentially are be really interested in doing some kind of electrification, especially if you can replace a noisy generator with a battery power, that, that would be lovely. Yeah. It's it, it, it Lordstown is one of those companies that, I wasn't real uh, optimistic about their, their prospects. Um, they just seem to go through a lot of challenges, and it seems like they've sort of worked it out. They worked some mm. of them out. The SPAC thing is is so. I guess we should explain too, right? The SPAC is like a something special purpose acquisition company. Right. I was going to say ag percent. So that's that's another kind of uh, venture capital sort of thing <laughs> sort of i mean spacs spacs are these companies that are set up by a group of investors they put a bunch of money in um and they're publicly listed on the stock exchange and their goal you know and they're usually time limited usually like 18 to 24 months they, they you set up this company and the goal is to go out and buy something buy another company <laughs> And you know, merge with to that exit, company. Though, like the the idea is to buy it so that you can make money. So they want to exactly, buy it. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so 
you know, the investors in the SPAC become, you know, initial owners of this company. So in the case of Lordstown, you know, they merged with a SPAC. Same thing. Nikola Motors did one of these. Fisker just did a SPAC. Um, mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of others. Uh, Luminar, uh, L- the LiDAR company did one recently. Uh, very popular this year because it lets, you know, these startup companies go public without having to go through the whole usual process of an IPO, you know, of doing a roadshow and, and, you know, trying to get investors, you know, or getting the investment banks to, to underwrite the, the, the public offering. Um, so they get a chance to go public, raise some money um, with less hassle than some of the other means of going public. What, what do you think about that, uh, Rebecca? Like you're, you're the one with the actual, like you're the IRS trained accountant. Cause it still <laughs> I feels am not sh- the IRS trained accountant. It feels shady to me. Like we want to buy no. the thing to, to make money. And I, I don't know freaks me out oh, oh, oh. well i mean most investors are interested in making money <laughs> yeah I, I would hope so i guess it, it just seems like they're they're more interested in in just cashing out than they are in building a business i suppose is, is uh sort of my my initial concern well uh, i think that you know as as you mentioned earlier there is often a dark side i think it depends on how um I think it depends on the parties involved, right? Because every SPAC is going to be a little bit different than others. And, you know, it is a way to raise capital rather than uh, than going through. I mean, it's, it is different than an IPO, um, but it is, it is a very good way to raise capital. You do go public with it. And I think that in some ways, you know, it kind of reminds me of... Um, uh, what was it? It wasn't derivative. Was it derivatives that were that you know? It's something people don't always understand, but they can both be good, used for good and evil. Right, right. I, I guess that's so. And the reason why I'm a little bit cautious, cynical. About it, well, it's not. It's not so much cynical. It's it's um. It's just that once you are trading publicly, you're. We've seen this like. In, instead of your responsibility really going to um, the the company and the product and its longevity, your your goal seems to always be short term shareholder value in that. Well, to to a degree, that's always the challenge with a public company, a publicly traded company. Yeah. It, there's always an, that inherent um, push, you know, towards shareholder value. Which, you know, I mean, that's that's a whole other issue, you know, larger problem of, you know, shareholder value versus stakeholder value. Uh, you know, and this we don't need to get into that today. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. a, that's but, a big uh, topic. Yeah. Two, yeah. two hours in. Yeah. <laughs> um, OK, well, I, I mean, I I wish them well. It's a really interesting development. It seems like a clever way of sort of tying up two companies that can benefit from each other. Yeah, yes. no, there's, there's definitely some some real potential benefits to to both sides. You know, for for Camping World, you know, an opportunity to uh, bring electrification to the kinds of products that it sells, which you know, which is an area that hasn't really been addressed yet. And mm-hmm. you know, for Lordstown, you know, it gives them uh, you know that mechanism, you know, to get some service infrastructure, or service network out there for their vehicles. You know, by the time that they get into production, you know, hopefully in the next year or so. 
All right. Well, I think that's it for for this uh, very close to Christmas episode 174 of Real Bearings. Um, so we'll we'll circle back with maybe one more, maybe two before the end of the year. But, um, you know, at least one um, while we get a little stir crazy. And, uh, you know, thanks for listening. Keep uh, keep the emails and comments coming at wheelbearing uh, feedback at wheelbearings.media and thank you for to our patrons who have subscribed as well we really appreciate it big help thanks everyone bye bye thanks for listening to wheelbearings hey we love to listen to our listeners too drop us an email to feedback at wheelbearings.media with your thoughts questions or conversation starters that's feedback at wheelbearings.media you can also find us on Twitter at WheelBearingsCast. Don't use any vowels except for the A in cast. So that's W-H-L-B-R-N-G-S cast. Thanks again. We hope to hear from you soon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.